With a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George, welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Good morning. Welcome to After 9. I'm your host today, Eric Allen. Uh, my panel today is John Zakowski, James Steidel, and Herb Martin. We've got a number of uh, different subjects we want to get into today, and primarily they're about <clears throat> the city or regional district or something spending a lot of money and uh, it doesn't seem to be a coherent plan about who's going to pay for all this stuff so we'll get into that and knock it around. It is a little bit uh, pessimistic so somewhere along the way we'll try to find something that's more positive but don't count on it. You keep saying that here. (laughs) So I I want to start off first uh, with an article in the Prince George Citizen just a few days ago about Prince George lost 4,500 jobs in a month. Now, that's January over February. Uh, they didn't go into any detail or what type of jobs they were. This was information that came from Stats Canada. And uh, so we're down 4,500 jobs. And the unemployment rate went from 3.6, I think, to 6.6. And then there's a number of people out there that were looking for jobs that apparently aren't looking for them anymore. So there's a bunch of indicators there that something's going on. So maybe we'll just start with John and run the table. John, you got some comments on that? <laughs> yeah, you saw me laughing, and that's why you, you put me on the button. Well, it's it's post-Christmas. So the the atypical thing is, after every Christmas season, we lose a whole bunch of temporary employment. Now, Stats Canada being Stats Canada, they say Prince George, but is that the Prince George region, or is that actually Prince George? I would think it's more a regional thing. Uh, so, yeah, we, we've got all sorts of slowdowns, shutdowns. Uh, so, you know, I, the jobs, are they... It, it's a hard question to answer uh, when you're looking at a block like that. If, you know, is it short-term employment that we lost a bunch out of, or or what? It's not very clear. Is what I'm getting at. Okay, thanks, John. No, I, I agree with you. the The original, if it's regional, uh, it would still be the. Uh, Fraser Fort George Regional District, but but the job stats are actually uh, compiled a lot of them in by the BC stats by the payroll and information from the uh, local businesses. So there's not too many businesses in the region that would be sending in stats. But uh, I'm not sure where uh, uh, the federal government gets their stats from. That's like for a monthly thing. Anyway, I think they do a survey. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get uh, James here to go into it a bit. Go ahead, James. Yeah, so I, if those if those numbers are accurate, I mean, that's the before the pulp mills even being shut down. So I think that's uh, pretty concerning. Um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna lose uh, inter or Prince George pulp next month. Uh, not just a couple hundred workers there. There's all sorts of uh, other industries that depend on that pulp mill that that are going to be out of work. Uh, yeah, I think this is a major major issue for. For Prince George, we've got all these big projects that are going to wrap up in the next couple of years that are bringing in billions of dollars of public investment to to basically support the economy around here. And once those uh, projects finish up, uh, you know, what next? And I think we have to have a really good, you know, the point you raised in the email there, uh, 
Eric, was, uh, you know, we got to tighten the belt to weather the storm as far as the, the government is concerned and what are we doing to save money? And it doesn't look like we have any plan to save money. It's just uh, throwing more money out the window, making making more big uh, big promises. I mean, this, uh, hosp- this new wing of the hospital is hundreds of millions of dollars that uh, regional taxpayers are going to have to uh, kick in for. So... But yeah, I don't think we're taking this uh, situation very seriously. No, no, we'll try to get into it a bit today. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a long-term thing. Uh, Herb, what do you want to say on that? Uh, well, John, I think uh, has a point with the uh, temporary um, uh, jobs created by Christmas uh, sort of disappearing. So that would explain part of uh, unemployment increase. Another part would be traditionally that housing starts are pretty slow during the winter. So I think the construction has been a big part of uh, the economy in Prince George over the last few years. And um, uh, during the winter, the things, t- things tend to slow down. So let's, let's wait and see what the, uh, the trend is uh, before we get our knickers in a twist too much. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, in, in terms of long-term projects, uh, there is actually some good news, that, that gold mine uh, down the Blackwater uh, going to be looks like it's on on track. I think they're talking about 800 jobs there, and there's going to be spinoff jobs as well. So it's not all doom and gloom. So, but yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's it's sad that the uh, Camp Four is not revisiting this um, pulp mill shutdown. Uh, it looks like their uh, the reasons for doing so is kind of dubious. They said that um, Prince George. Uh, uh, or the uh, the Canfor Pulp uh, Division lost fifty two million dollars, but I believe they including uh, forty nine million dollars for shutting down the Prince George Pulp Mill, uh, and they're also uh, uh, basically um, they shut they they de facto shut down the Taylor Mill last year, so that's been you know there's ongoing costs for that, so really it's it's a it's a, a, probably a break even if not better proposition. And uh, Canfor pulling out of this town is uh, is a huge betrayal and uh, and and a real disappointment. Uh, really, uh, I think people really have to reevaluate the trust they put in Canfor here, and um, and really we have to start uh, looking at more alternatives uh, to what what uh, we're going to do going forward. Uh, speaking of which, there was a, a forum for the uh, future of forestry on. Uh, when was it? February 28th? Two weeks ago tomorrow, yeah. Yeah, and uh, there's going to be another one coming up, I believe, April 18th, the same place. We don't have anything confirmed, but yeah, that's what but, we're talking but, about. But uh, yeah, so I, I, I think people should be thinking, start putting their thinking caps on, come out to a meeting, and uh, there's going to be a lot of interesting ideas, not, not the least of which is uh, Community Forest, which is the mayor actually has jumped on. So I think that's... Uh, that's a real possibility going forward, and um, uh, there's there's all sorts of uh, uh, opportunities for community input there. Yeah, so <clears throat> that's kind of a, a cover off on the 4,500 jobs. And I agree, they could be seasonal jobs, and so I mean it is the slow season in the retail industry from January through to end of April or something. So. I mean, I'm not surprised. That part of the problem out there is a lot of these jobs are uh, part-time, and if you got two part-time jobs, you get cut. You get ca- uh, counted twice. But I, so, I think this—you uh, know—we're doubling our unemployment rate. 
I don't think seasonal downturn explains that. No, that's the, the well. I guess if these people were working part time and they're laid off and they go to EI, they turn around and show them as being unemployed. But uh, they might still have another half time job. Who knows? The numbers are anyway. Just to get to Herb's thing, if we get enough people laid off like this, we won't be there won't be a big bump in the housing market because who's going to buy these houses? You have to have people to have jobs to buy houses. Well, I think that, yeah. that was kind of Herb's. Herb made a good point there with the real estate industry and you know with the interest rates going up. I think it's kind of put an impact on some of these housing starts, and I think it also raises the question: Should we base our economy on real estate development? Which well, I think a lot of a lot of people are kind of arguing. Yeah. Well, the other point too is there's a lot of developers that are sitting back and going, "Wow, do you look at the interest rates?" I'm not buying materials at these jacked up rates because a lot of this stuff is financed. So you know when you're playing the finance game to build and develop, uh, you're going to be watching the interest rates too. And sometimes it's better to wait until the weather's better to be able to you know really make hay as opposed to slogging around in the dead of winter up to your Piney and yeah. snow trying to move two by fours. So you, you just you shut some projects down and wait. Doesn't cost you to wait. You know, that's minimal as opposed to, you know, dropping big coin on, on lumber products and stuff that are under snow that you can't use because you can't get people out to work. So, you know, maybe it's optics, right? So Well if we look at the uh, you know, really Prince George is not Sorry to have to say it, but it's really not that big of a city. And I think they got 35,000 single-family dwellings and 54,000, I think they said, uh, people that are actually working. <clears throat> so if you got 35,000 dwellings, you can make a, a fairly good argument that there's two people to each house, so that's 70,000 people. So I think, well, you know, we we got to come to uh, realistic terms that, Maybe we're maxed out on the number of houses we can continue selling because how many people are left in the market that can actually buy them? How many jobs do we have left that you can get a job and go out and buy an $800,000 home? <clears throat> I would suggest that there's very few people that can do that, even on two incomes. You know, unless you're working some high, high-priced government job or uh, some of the, the really good jobs in this city. You, and you get, you know, I remember years ago, they used to joke that if you had a job in Kelowna, you you check the uh, obituaries, see who died, and then hurry over there and find out where he was working and try to get his job. And maybe that's where we're headed, you know. If we don't have any jobs, people are going to be just like crows sitting on a fence looking for one to fall down, and they'll go for it. So, <laughs> so, and uh, so in the long term, it's not it's not good. And I I guess the point I'm trying to make here is that we have to get some of our people in government and that to get more realistic and do some studies, long-range studies on uh, population growth, not just here, but all the way through to Prince Rupert, Kitimat, whatever. And, you know, uh, we'll get into that later on on the, on the jobs that we're going to lose from these mega projects. It's not a pretty sight, you know. We're, no. we're talking no. uh, 18,000 jobs or something. So I think we'll just leave this one here for now, unless somebody's got something they want to add to it. Uh what, what, do you want to chat about some some things that we could do, some solutions at all, uh, or do you want to talk about that? Well, we can get into that a little later, because I want to get some of these other... They're kind of interrelated. So, to give you an... I think we'll go to the airport runway, okay? So, we got the airport runway expansion they're talking about now. <clears throat> I, I did a double take when I seen this article in the Citizen. Prince George Airport runway nearing end of its lifespan. 
Well, they completed it in 2009, so that's 15 years. And it was an extension to the 7,400 feet, and they went to 11,400 feet. Yeah, 7,400 to 11,400. And it cost us $33 million, completed in 2009, uh, $11 million from the feds, 11 from the province, and the airport authority of themselves, and uh, James Electus, they borrowed their $11 million from the Northern Interior Development Trust and threw it in the pot, and there's your $33 million, and there's your deal. And, of course, a lot of people talking about all the planes that are coming to town, and <clears throat> they expected, you know, the possibility of going to 15,000 wide-body aircraft cargo flights a year, which is 288 a week. Well, the biggest airport in North America, Anchorage, does 700 a week with about three or four runways and going flat out 24-7. So anyway, that was the, the high end. Uh, we actually got two in 15 years. One was the um, Southern Airway, which flew from China to Prince George to Miami to Caracas, Venezuela or something. I still have this sense that we actually gave them free gas if they came this way. <laughs> there's no other reason in the world to come this way. But nobody's talking. You know? But one thing we know for certain, they never came back again. <laughs> so that was a one wide-body uh, deal. Now, the other one was the Russian plane, the Anatov, whatever they call it, 124, which came in here a little later and picked up, I think, 16 helicopters to take to South America. Was for uh, they were leasing them for uh, uh, an election down there, they, and then the three months later they brought it back. Now that plane landed here, picked up those helicopters and took off, and, and of course they brought them back and took off. Now what they didn't say, they led you to believe that he probably couldn't have come here if it wasn't for that big airport expansion. But in actual fact, he can lift off at eight thousand feet. Or even less, depending on the payload. His his he's his he needs eight thousand feet to get off with a full payload, which is a hundred tons or two hundred tons. I'm not sure, but certainly over hundred tons. And these these uh, uh, helicopters were less than forty tons, you know, total. They're only about five tons each, so he could take off in a hell of a lot less than eight thousand feet, which he did, and. Um, We'll get back into that after we have our break here. Okay. There's a river of birds in migration, a nation of women with wings. Wings, a series of news and current affairs programs by and about women around the world. Produced and distributed by the Women's International News Gathering Service. Listen for Wings at its new time, Wednesday nights at 9.30, here on 93.1 CFIS-FM. If you're totally out of shape, Trainer Kim's has a new fitness class just for you. Created for anyone new or returning to fitness after an extended period, Fitness 101 features slow-paced workouts allowing for proper instruction and form. Breaks are given for recovery and all exercises can be modified to meet every ability. If you are ready to take this first step towards a stronger, healthier body, contact Trainer Kim today by emailing trainer underscore Kim at hotmail.com. 
Are you thinking of selling your business? It's Dave Fuller here, a business coach and a business broker living right here in Prince George. The challenge of being a business owner is that much of our retirement funds are often tied up in the business. If you are getting ready to retire and sell your business, give me a call, 250-617-7467, and we can talk confidentially about how much your business might be worth and how you might be able to get that money out of the business and into your pocket. Again, Dave Fuller, 250-617-7467, or check out our website, pivotleader.com. At Pivot Leader, we help you grow, train, and sell your business. Forecast from Environment Canada. Snow ending this afternoon, then cloudy with a 30% chance of flurries. Winds from the north at 20, becoming light late this morning. A high of minus 1 with a morning wind chill to minus 14. Partly cloudy tonight. More wind, a low of minus 7 with a wind chill to minus 12. For Tuesday, a mix of sun and cloud. Wind up to 15K and a high of 3. Featuring the people who make things happen in Prince George, you're listening to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Okay, we're back. I'll just finish off that long, drawn-out deal on the the airport. So the uh, the uh, the second plane that landed in the 15 years was the big uh, Russian Anatov 124. Took some helicopters down to South America, brought them back three months later. So I guess if you count his landing to unload them again, you could say there was three landings and takeoffs in 15 years wide broad the uh, uh, cargo flights. So that's $33 million that basically sat there. Now the uh, manager at the airport says within the next five years, I mean, this runway is coming to the end of its lifespan, and they're going to have to uh, upgrade it, tear it, tear it all up, and redo it, talking uh, in terms of $21 million it's going to cost. Now the question is, you know, are you going to get the same arrangement for funding, or where is the funding going to come from? Now normally... When uh, Northern Development Trust borrows the money, I guess they pay it back through airport improvement fees because that's how they generate revenue out there. And if they're going to just pay for their own portion or borrow it, that means uh, the airport improvement fee could go up. We're already the one of the highest in Canada for uh, airport improvement fees out of Prince George Airport. And uh, so we need we need people to be talking about that. Where's the funding coming from? When's it going to take place? How's it going to impact the tax base? How much are we going to pay for this? So, John, got any ideas? Well, the fact of the matter is, our airport is highly underutilized. I mean, it's 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 a regional airport. It just got stuck with the designation of being an international airport because they needed a longer runway to put big aircraft down in an emergency. This is harkening back to September 11th. Um, I was in Victoria uh, at that time, and the Victoria Airport and Nanaimo Airport were, were stacked up. They had no room to land anything. They only had room for takeoff. Uh, Vancouver was in the same situation. Abbotsford was also in the same dilemma. They uh, they ran out of room to stack aircraft. So that's why Prince George got the larger runway. So if we really get some good folks up there that are into economic development and want to really make that airport and the region pop, we have to turn around and look at bonded clearance warehousing, we have to look at more air carrier uh, services. We also have to secure the airport. It's a sieve. Um, it's not secure to international airline standards by any stretch of the imagination. So there, there has to be. If you want to make money, you got to spend money. 
Uh, the only thing we can do is turn around and get some good people up there to really push the airport and the use of it. And uh, if we can turn around, and get, like the bonded warehouse thing is critical. If you can bring product up from the U.S., not have to clear it through customs in Vancouver, but actually clear it here, oh my gosh, the opportunity for businesses to be able to bring goods directly into Prince George and clear them here is it's that's significant so it's it's how we go about doing things and unfortunately for too long we've been doing things haphazard uh, we get to focus in and and make it work for us james what do you think uh that's a good point that john brought up about the 9-11 there with uh, the need to you know the emergency situations to that we might need this bigger runway well i would argue uh, we don't need to pave the whole thing. Why don't we just have like a, you know, keep the last couple thousand feet just as gravel or something. And in an emergency, you know, you can land on the good part and then you park the, park the aircraft on the gravel. I mean, my, my, my road's a gravel road. It's good enough for me. Why not for all these airplanes, you know? Uh, what's the point of having built this extra thousand feet of expensive runway to use it three times in the last, uh, uh, 15 years? And, uh, it's kind of a it's kind of a good metaphor for the city of Prince George in general. You know, you build way more infrastructure than you need. You got way more highway than you need, and then you got all these maintenance costs that drive up taxes through the roof. And I mean, as far as I can see, that was a complete waste of money. Uh, that thirty three million dollars, and uh, I think you know we should have saved that to to maintain a, a more adequately sized airport that serves that serves our needs. Uh, and I also want to just comment on you know the bigger picture of how government kind of goes about um, influencing economic development. It's these big uh, projects like the big airport expansion or, you know, the, the port expansions uh, on the coast or making Prince George into this interior kind of transportation uh, shipping hub. You know, and I, and I think this is really like just plays into this this concept of making North America dependent on international trade, offshore products, and and it's not really talking about how to create our own self resiliency. Instead of bringing planes in with products, why don't we make more products or, ourselves? And it doesn't have to be, you know, all these consumer goods, but even things like food. You know, like we're bringing in uh, jugs of milk from Abbotsford on on truck. You know, like we're we're talking about shipping stuff all over this, the place and calling logs from this side of the country to that side of the country in the same load of logs back again. It's like, why don't we just figure out how to make more use of stuff locally? We get way more jobs out of more manu local manufacturing, more local food processing. Uh, but instead, we we focus on these big ticket items of of big ports and and honestly, this just makes it cheaper to bring in stuff from offshore. Okay, it's a it's a subsidy to offshore producers. Uh, and I meanwhile, if you're a local producer, like say you're a little lumber mill in McKenzie trying to get product to market, we don't even give them the rail cars that they need to get those products to market. So, you know, instead of focusing on, on, on global trade, let's focus on our local trade. That's what I'd argue. Yeah, I agree with a lot of that, James. Uh, what do you say, Herb? Yeah, look, the runway last 20 years cost $21 million to uh, repave it. Uh, the airport, uh, uh, fee is 30 bucks a passenger. Uh, before COVID, they were getting half a million passengers a year. That's $15 million a year in revenue. Um, what, how come the uh, airport uh, management can't uh, budget a million dollars to save up for that, uh, for the inevitable cost of repaving? It uh, seems, uh, seems strange to me. 
Well, I guess in a roundabout way, they got the airport improvement fee. Yeah, they could be putting some of that aside. I don't know all the rules and regulations governing what they would do with that money. I know they can't use it for salaries or that type of thing. There's some restrictions on it. But between what they make in uh, airport improvement fees and between what they make in uh, uh, their parking, uh, they got some pretty good revenue coming in there. But, but you know, as strange as this may seem, the fact that you have this money coming in on airport improvement fee means that you better spend it on airport improvements or you're going to have to reduce the fee. And the fee's only gone up since they started this air, uh type of uh, deal like the uh, YXS or whatever it is the airport uh, all these airports were changed to what they are today and and they get financed through the airport improvement fee so and they go they go up used to go up every year until we raised mm-hmm. cane here a while back and then they kind of stopped putting it up every year but yeah they they uh, they look around for projects to spend their money on same as the city does they look like it's going to have surplus money coming now Better spend it. Yeah, better spend it. We'll take a break now. Thanks. Yeah, they'll find ways to spend it. The Prince George Elks will be hosting a country dance Saturday, March 25th from 7.30 to 11 at the Elks Community Hall, located at 663 Douglas Street. Admission will be $15 at the door and will include a small lunch and refreshments to be served by the Ladies Royal Purple. A 50-50 draw will also be held. Everybody is welcome. That's an Elks Country Dance Saturday, March 25th at the Elks Community Hall, 663 Douglas Street. You ready? Yep. Okay. Three, two, one... Les rendez-vous la francophonie is on now. Celebrate the rendez-vous 25th anniversary with us. Join us on rbf.ca. Bonne fête rendez-vous. If you're totally out of shape, Trainer Kim's has a new fitness class just for you created for anyone new or returning to fitness after an extended period fitness 101 features slow-paced workouts allowing for proper instruction and form breaks are given for recovery and all exercises can be modified to meet every ability if you are ready to take this first step towards a stronger healthier body contact trainer kim today by emailing trainer underscore kim at hotmail.com Copar Administration is celebrating 25 years of providing quality employment services to communities in B.C. and Alberta. Whether you are looking for a job or looking to hire, the key is finding the right fit. The friendly team at Copar can help with hiring events, resume, cover letter and interview assistance, wage subsidies, training, new hire supports and more. The best part is all of Copar's employment services are free. Find the right fit today. Contact Copar Administration at coparadmin.ca. People for jobs, jobs for people. Thank you for tuning in and staying tuned to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Okay, we're back, and uh, we're still on the airport uh, for the moment to the uh, improvement to the, <coughs> excuse me, or the rebuild of the uh, the uh, long air, 11,400-foot airstrip there. So the new uh, manager there, a uh, chap by the name of Duke, is convinced regular scheduled freight landings and takeoffs in Prince George will come eventually. 
Okay, so that's after 15 years of not coming, but they're still coming. And we're very fortunate we have the infrastructure and all the pieces in place for that business to start happening. And it will be small steps first, you know, so said Duke. But I do believe because we're not Vancouver, its complexity and cost of operating in those larger areas can become overwhelming. And operators are going to be looking for other opportunities. <coughs> Basically, the same story we were given 15 20 years ago when they started this and only that they were going to take the business away from uh, Anchorage because they wouldn't be able to handle it and uh, and we would get the excess and everything would be tickety-boo until you talk to the manager of the airport in Anchorage and they say, well, if we need another runway, we'll build it. If we're short of uh, jet fuel, we'll just get some more. we got pipelines and everything and uh, we're going to be in the uh, airport business for a long time to come, but have fun trying to compete with us. So <coughs> that's where we're sitting today. Anybody want to comment on this? Well, uh, as I was mentioning, it, as we wandered into the break, uh, it was just last year, I believe, that Transport Canada was going to take and yank our uh, air traffic controllers out of the tower at the airport uh, until there was a, a brouhaha by mayor and council and and wanting to keep that uh, that position open and I think the light of day dawned on them that if there was an emergency again where we needed to turn around and stack aircraft the only one that's going to be able to do that is going to be a qualified air traffic controller working in the tower not somebody on the apron waving a flashlight around because that just doesn't amount to being a good idea so it's it's a hard-fought battle. I still say that economic development is there. We just haven't got the right people in the right places to promote it and push it. We got to quit looking at at pinching uh, traffic from from uh, neighboring countries and stuff. We got to look at uh, getting air carriers here, uh, either to stack and store aircraft or do maintenance. Or there's a myriad of things we can use the airport for. So. Thanks, man. I think that's what we need. Yeah, well, you know, there's... Uh, we also need people who want to look at the big picture and admit that maybe we can't compete. You know, when they first started on this, there was talk about Calgary and Edmonton doing the same thing. Calgary actually looked at it and said, no, it's not a viable thing to do at this point in time, and backed away from it. I think you can fly now direct flights out of Vancouver to China, so and that's where we want to go. Um back and forth from China, but we want to avoid Anchorage. But everything going into the U.S. has to go through Anchorage or it can't land in the U.S. So, And if you come direct from Shanghai or whatever across the ocean to Prince George, in order to get here, you got to reduce fuel or add fuel and reduce the amount of cargo you can haul. So it's not just as cut and dried as they'd have you believe. It's more like a good news story that uh, has been around for 15 years and looks like it's going to be around for another 15 years, but it's yet to create any employment, so other than laying new runways. So we'll just leave that one there well, for now. Oh, just a minute, we've got yeah, Herb here. Yeah, I'd just, just like to, to sort of hearken back to the days of uh, all the promises that the airport was going to create all sorts of jobs. Uh, I believe Pat Bell said it was going to create 160 jobs at the actual airport. And uh, we have yet to even approach that. Uh, we got uh, developers involved and um, uh, built the Boundary Road uh, projects that was going to uh, have all sorts of warehouses. 
you know, there was 30, over $30 billion of tax money spent on that. And uh, for the most part, Boundary Road is still empty. Uh, the, the land is undeveloped. So, you know, Prince George, uh, we should uh, be very wary of uh, these pipe dreams that, keep, that uh, come along every once in a while. And I think basically, uh, you know, all of this came out, came out of the, the sale of BC Rail that uh, we now realize that we actually need. And, um, you know, we even sold um, a whole, uh, you know, a whole cloth, basically. And, uh, you know, we, we've, we've basically neglected the, uh, the fundamentals that uh, we had, and uh, we have to get back to that. So before we start looking at, uh, uh, you know, all sorts of grandiose dreams for the future in air freight, let's, uh, let's start uh, getting back to the, the basics and reinstating BC Rail. Okay, James, you want to comment on that? Yeah, great, great point by by Herb. And uh, you know, BC Rail was our local transportation corridor. We sell that, and then we're going to swap that out for some kind of pie in the sky international uh, trade sort of warehouse scenario. Like it makes it makes zero sense. And uh, you know, my column there last week. I don't know if folks had a chance to read that about the BC Rail sale. You know, I went on a little tirade there at the uh, last half of the article about. You know, just just the philosophy I think that government is kind of following these days, which is to prioritize globalization and international trade at the expense of local community resiliency, uh, self-sufficiency, and those kind of values. And this is just a perfect example of where we went wrong, where we get rid of our local rail service and then we swap it out for this this uh, plan that that uh, we have no security in knowing that it'll work or not it's just it's just a complete boondoggle waste of taxpayer money uh, just on the point of the boundary road that herb raised you know they're supposed to get all sorts of industrial development up there there is a thing tonight at city council where there's an ocp change official community plan change i actually haven't looked at the detail might be wrong but i believe they're going to put a they want to put a kenworth kind of truck uh, some kind of industrial facility there on river road or on uh, sorry on Oh, why is my brain boundary. Not, not boundary? Well, it should go on boundary, but it's going on Otway Road, right on the river, right uh, right across from uh, some of that other kind of cement, the cement plant and stuff up there. And uh, it's going to be right in that riparian area, right next to the Nachaco River. Now, that's tonight. Um, so I'm just wondering why we're putting stuff there and not boundary road, which was why we cut down all those trees for yeah, so we got lots to look forward to in the future, lots to talk about. So the runway expansion, uh, we'll get into that probably later on in the year, see what's happening. Maybe hear something from the local manager, I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> but I'm going to switch now to the Prince George expansion expected at the regional hospital uh, right after the break. So thank you. The Spruce City Lions Club has a Recycle for Site collection box at the Seniors Resource Center. Drop off no longer used prescription and non-prescription glasses, sunglasses and readers, even if they're broken. Donated glasses will be cleaned, categorized by prescription, and prepared for distribution to people in developing countries. Used hearing aids are also being accepted. The Spruce City Lions Club Recycle for Site collection box in the new Seniors Resource Center, 1330 Fifth Avenue. Join UNBC and the age National Innovations Hub for online workshops featuring touch tech technologies Touch Sleep Sense. Touch Sleep Sense is a bed sensor which alerts caregivers if there's issues with a sleeping or bedridden senior so caregivers can intervene to provide support. 
UNBC and AgeWell want to hear your thoughts and opinions to help guide tech development and improve the well-being of aging adults and care partners in northern BC. For more information or to participate, email UNBC Text Study at unbc.ca. Prince George City Council is using the alternative approval process to ask electors if they are opposed to the adoption of an equipment financing bylaw for the annual replacement and addition of vehicles and capital equipment at the regular council meeting scheduled for Wednesday, April 12th. The total to be financed through the Municipal Finance Authority is $2.711 million. Opposition to the motion must be submitted using an elector response form available at City Hall and at PrinceGeorge.ca. Submission deadline is 5 p.m. March 30th. Forecast from Environment Canada. Snow ending this afternoon, then cloudy with a 30% chance of flurries. Winds from the north at 20, becoming light late this morning. A high of minus 1 with a morning wind chill to minus 14. Partly cloudy tonight, more wind, a low of minus 7 with a wind chill to minus 12. For Tuesday, a mix of sun and cloud, wind up to 15K and a high of 3. This is After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. Okay, we're back, and uh, like I was saying, we're going to go into the uh, Prince George Hospital or the University of Northern British Columbia Hospital uh, expansion that they're talking about. Now, they're talking about a $660 million uh, cost for uh, upgrading the hospital. Fraser Fort George Regional District is uh, expected to contribute 40%. Provincial federal government will do the rest, I guess. So the 40% comes in around $240 million. And, uh, of course, we're a member of the regional district, one of the biggest members, biggest contributing member. And so we're going to get the bulk of that as another tax increase in the next few years with this uh, Deal. Now, I, don't, I certainly don't disagree that we need a, a surgical tower here where we can uh, don't have to go to Vancouver or Kelowna to get certain uh, surgeries. But, you know, when you do the expansion, the next thing you have to do is get the surgeons and get the people to work in there to do it. And, that, and that's in itself is a big problem. They're not all <clears throat> waiting on the other side of the bridge for the hospital to get built and then they'll flock in here and go to work. So, I guess we'll start with James here. Just, I just want to kind of tie this in with uh, the airport runway and the, the one we're talking about, the lost jobs. You can see there's a trend here that we're spending more and more money, but nobody's talking about uh, any new taxpayers or ju- new jobs coming to town. You want to just talk on that, James? Sure. I mean, it's not just the hospital expansion we got to pay for, right? We've, we've been told we need 30 more uh, firefighters in town. we got to build another fire hall out in the BCR site. Uh, we need more police officers. we got to build a performing arts center. we got to build the downtown. Uh, the, they've got the big downtown district uh, plan. Oh, we've, we've got uh, – it's not over yet, you know. We've, we've got billions of dollars uh, of uh, public money we've got to – We've got to spend, and we don't know where it's going to come from here. With all these jobs lost, I think it's uh, it's a real big question on where this money is going to come from. You know, and I'm not seeing the province is handing out hundreds of millions of dollars. They had a five billion dollar surplus, uh, and they're in a real rush to get rid of that. Uh, so some of these programs, we don't really know what they're spending the money on. Like we just uh, the province spent two hundred million dollars on food security. No details really bunch of refrigeration stuff to for what who's going to benefit from that um and uh you know like the, the i think the question is where's the province helping out the city we have tons of costs 
not just with healthcare, but we have, you know, a mental health crisis in, in Prince George. We have all sorts of social issues and social problems that the city taxpayers expected to pay for. And we're getting no help from the province or the broader region for, for a lot of these things. Uh, you know, on that point, this hospital expansion, I heard this tower is going to be on Allward Road, I believe. Oh, and they're going to tear down the detox center, Allward Street. And I heard they're going to tear down what is presently the detox center. And there is also a women's uh, detox center there as well that hasn't been used for for a number of years. And it's a, I believe that building was built in 2003. And that's all going to get tore down for this new uh, surgery tower. So, you know, I think we have a lot of problems that we aren't addressing and it sounds like we're going to just, you know, there is potential to use that existing detox facility to help with, you know, uh, drug addiction and, and, and homelessness and, and mental health and, and all this, and we're going to tear it down. Yeah. So then what are we going to do? So we got to build, build another building for, for this. I don't know. It doesn't seem like there's much long-term planning or an overall vision being applied here. No, I don't see it either. And I don't know if there was one that would, presumably have somebody that's heading it up but I'm not aware of any planner that's looking at the big picture. Herb, get any ideas? Well, up to a couple of years ago, uh, I understood that there were empty hospital beds at, uh, at UNHB H- or UNBC. Uh, so uh, the, the, the hospital here, so you know the, what's, uh, what is the actual need? That's uh, we never hear about that, you know, so I, I'd like to uh, like for some some more discussion and and more reporting on what what uh, we actually need. I mean, do we need a whole new tower? When up to a couple of years ago we had em- empty operating rooms uh, up in, at the hospital, it, it seems uh, seems strange to me. Mind you, on the other on the other hand, uh, there is uh, the local re- hospital regional board uh, has sixty million dollars in uh, capital uh, for projects. So there's there's some and they they're accumulating about eleven million bucks a year, so there's there's some money for uh, available f- to go forward. But uh, yeah, let's let's see what the actual need is first. Yeah, if we're talking about uh, you know, it wasn't that long ago when the first announcement came out that the provincial government had a five or six billion dollar surplus which mysteriously came out of nowhere and really surprised everybody and uh, so then it also turned out that they have to have it spent and allocated by the end of March March 31st so they're running out of days to disperse this money if they don't then whatever's left has to go to pay down the debt so there seems to be this mad rush mad rush to get it out there somewhere but I don't know how much planning went in to see who's going to get it when and where and why and uh <clears throat> well, like they, they, seems, there's $200 million for watershed enhancement. Yeah. Like what, what, what are they going to do there? Like, I'll tell mm-hmm. you what you could do to enhance watersheds. How about we stop spraying and brushing uh, for reforestation right around creeks, get rid of all the willow and aspen and birch along the waterways that can that is exactly what you need to rehabilitate these waterways. And we spend public money getting rid of those things, right? So maybe we could save, like, it's just these little creative Ideas where that the government isn't thinking about. No. Like, why would you save money making the problem worse when you just spend more taxpayer money to fix the stuff that we're creating with our own uh, wasteful spending? It's a perfect uh, example of what's going on here with society and government. And I think all the different uh, 
groups of people in government uh, offices and that they're all working in silos and nobody's communicating with people. So we're not seeing the big picture. What do you think, John? Well, yeah, uh, I, I tend to agree. Uh, the other thing, too, is we are going to be getting a new CEO at Northern Health. Um, so I would say let's not panic about the, the hospital surgical tower. Uh, let's face it, the, the hospital does need upgrades, but let's see what the new CEO does. There's a, Northern Health is is a mess. It is a mess. There are initiatives that are supposed to have been launched that weren't launched. We're not doing what we're supposed to be doing uh, as far as the uh, mental health and addictions here locally. We have maybe 25 mental health care beds at the hospital. That's not enough to address the issues that we're seeing from the surrounding communities. So I would like to see the new CEO get in and let's see what happens there and if somebody manages to shake the pot and get some things happening as opposed to the little empires that are uh, it's it's time to start breaking these empires up and telling these folks they work for us not the other way around okay so moving right along we're just going to go to a break and when we get back we'll talk about firefighters and rcmp UNBC Musical Club's 2023 production is No No Nanette. First performed in 1924, No No Nanette is a farcical story involving three couples who find themselves together at a cottage in Atlantic City amid a blackmail scheme. Tickets for No No Nanette are available at Theatre Northwest and through theaternorthwest.com. No No Nanette, this Thursday through Sunday and March 23rd to 26th at Theatre Northwest in the Park Hill Centre, a presentation of the UNBC Musical Club. This year's 55-plus BC Games are taking place in Abbotsford, August 22nd to 26th. There are more than 25 sport and game events you can take part in. More information is available through the website 55plusbcgames.org or by emailing zone9info at 55plusbcgames.org. Open to all BC residents 55 and older, the 55-plus BC Games, August 22nd to 26th in Abbotsford. Registration deadline is June 15th. Bry Kai Entertainment presents The Firm's Comedy Clash, Friday, March 24th. Open to first-timers and comics of all levels, first prize is $200 cash and an opening spot on upcoming comedy shows. Put together your best stand-up routine and go after that spotlight. Tickets are just $10. The Firm's Comedy Clash, a stand-up comedy competition presented by Bry Kai Entertainment, Friday, March 24th. For tickets, search for The Firm's Comedy Clash at eventbrite.ca. If you are a low-income renter, you may be eligible for a one-time tax-free benefit of $500 administered by the Canada Revenue Agency. Applications are available online through March 31st. To qualify, the rent you paid in 2022 must be more than 30% of your 2021 income. To apply, search for one-time top-up to Canada housing benefit at Canada.ca. Seniors needing assistance in applying can call the Seniors Resource Centre at 250-564-5888. You're listening to After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. Okay, we're back. I just want to touch on, uh, uh, before we go, we have... uh, Prince George needs 32 more firefighters, and Prince George needs 30-plus more RCMP 
and civilian experts. So we'll do the firefighters first. Now, as we know, we just built a new fire hall on Massey there. The rationale behind that was that the one downtown on 7th Avenue was too small, wasn't uh, couldn't be used sufficiently or efficiently. And so we built a new one, and it gave us that eight-minute time to get into the BCR Industrial Park, which is a requirement for insurance reasons and et cetera. So, but we no sooner get the last paint job on the new building and uh, the cut all the ribbons and set all the rah rah rahs, and we get an announcement that they want to build a new fire hall now in the industrial park instead of one that'll get there within eight minutes. Now they want it located there, along with the training center. So then the question is, well, where did we train our firemen for the last fifty years? And uh, I don't know the whole part of that story, but I do understand a lot of training has been done in Quesnel. And uh, the regional fire departments do their own training somehow. Some people even actually go to Texas and, and get trained because I didn't know this until yesterday, but firemen have to pay for their own training. So that's a whole, a whole other issue that I'll have to try to understand. But the thing is, we're now looking at a fire department in the BCR. Now, the BCR, if you really want to go back historically and have a look at it, the BCR Industrial Park is shrinking. It's not growing. The only new thing going in there recently is a warehouse down on Boundary Road, and there could be two warehouses there. But other than that, Rustaz is gone, Netherlands is gone, BC Rail is gone, plywood, uh, plywood plant is gone, North Central Plywood, and... Um, and there's more that I'm not aware of. There's lots of uh, downsizing there, and there's more to come. I mean, we've got all these jobs and big co- uh, mega projects uh, west of Prince George. A lot of that work is being done in the BCR Industrial Park. But when those projects are gone, there's going to be some more downsizing there. So while that downsizing's going on, um, we're upsizing. <laughs> we want more police, we want more hospitals, we want more firefighters. And I don't know where all that's coming from. Uh, James, you can start on it with it and throw in, you know, go from the firemen to the police and just in general terms, uh, how do we deal with this? How do we deal with the expansion when uh, the city's actually going in the opposite direction? Well, I, uh, I know that the city just uh, dished out $100,000 for a study on this, So, and we should probably, uh, we've got higher experts than uh, than me to, to discuss this, but, you know, there's probably more of an argument for the firefighting uh, side of things and the police side of things I've said on the show before. Uh, you know, we just, uh, we just financed um, a new police op- a position with the RCMP here, and we're going to... Uh, do that uh, for the next four years. I, I think it's four new officers a year for the next four years, and there's a big, you know, discussion about the, where that money is going to come from. So, um, and my question is, is that even going to solve the problem? You know, is uh, is it the problem with not enough police, or is it the problem we don't have Crown Council uh, taking action with you know violent criminals that aren't being uh, locked up and put in uh, you know take taken off the streets? Or maybe we don't have the the proper treatment facilities, you know, like we used to have minimum security things like Huddle Lake, which we don't have anymore. Uh, it seems like, uh, you know, it's just a, a circular game of, of catch and release. So, yeah, I think I think these types of um, I think we have to get back to the root of the root of the issue. And 
you know, maybe we need more firefighters, but this new fire hall and BCR site, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. And I think, Eric, you raised a really good point there about downsizing the BCR and we're, <laughs> we're going to upsize the, uh, the coverage. Yeah, unless there's something going in there we don't know about, and, uh, and that's possible. You know, I mean, that was a location at one time where they were going to put the uh, that uh, petrochemical plant. If that's still in the works, maybe somebody figures that if you're going to have a petrochemical plant there, you're going to have to have a, well, why does the public a fire have? hall. Or they should maybe have their own fire service well, or something like that. Uh, they probably do, but the, you need a fire department there, too. Like the Pope Mill's got their own fire fire departments, but they're also serviced by the city. So it's kind of a joint thing. And even the airport, I think we still got a couple firemen out there. We used to at one time. There you go. That that's uh, there's an idea. Well, the fire the airport's required to have its own fire department because it's an international airport. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, so they're required to have firefighters on staff because it's specialized rescue for the airport. Um, the big thing of having a fire hall at the BCR site is the point that they want to put in a fire training center. If we have a fire training center, then we can turn around and derive revenue from other surrounding communities as we train their volunteer firefighters in firefighting techniques. There's an opportunity for revenue there. Um, a fire hall is just an incidental add-on because, I mean, you got to have somewhere to put the trucks when you're not training. So, But a fire training center is a bonus. Yeah, it's a bonus, but to me, it's uh, sort of like uh, we wanted an air show, so we took Vanderhoof's air show and uh, well, they weren't put it using on it, are Prince they? George, and, <laughs> and then when we couldn't pull it off, it went back to Vanderhoof. Prince George doesn't have to take all the business from the outlying areas to create revenue in Prince George while they starve out there. We should actually be working. Actually, we should go on a shopping trip once in a while out of Prince George to the uh, rural areas and give them some of the money. They come to our town every weekend, spend millions of dollars, and we're lucky if we drive through McBride and stop for an ice cream cone. So, <laughs> Anyway, go ahead there, Herb. Yeah, I've got a kind of a different uh, perspective. Um, uh, basically, two-thirds, almost two-thirds of all the calls that the uh, Prince George uh, Fire Department answer are medical emergencies. We've already got um, a BC ambulance service. Why do we need uh, the firefighters duplicating that service? I mean, only 26% of their call-outs involve fires. Um, let's let's keep the firemen, you know, on fires, and let's uh, improve the BC ambulance service so that uh, you know the province can uh, give a, a decent service. And uh, let's 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 cut out the overlap. There's no there's no and there's I, I really don't think there's a need for yet another fire. Hall. It's, uh, we've probably got too many firemen. Uh, if you look at um, the duplication that uh, we've already got. Well, uh, just as, as an aside, uh, quickly here, who's who wants to speak before we go? Really, ahead? really quickly. The reason that we have overlap in the fire department <coughs> is the fire rescue personnel, ambulance service can't go into harm's way. The fire department can. That's why the fire department rolls to some of these medical calls. Because they I can go into a dangerous situation where the ambulance service can't because they're protected by the union. Yeah, but we do. We also have there's a fire, uh, there's a, uh, a rescue unit also, right? There's that's out there for highway accidents. So again, that's volunteer. Okay, but I mean that's something that could be looked into and expanded. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we could have firefighters going to to these to these medical emergencies in the van. You know, they don't got to bring the fire truck there. Okay, looks like that's it for the day. We had a good discussion 
with John and uh, James and Herb. I want to thank uh, the panel. Thank everybody for listening. And we'll be back next Monday morning with, with something a little more positive. After 9 is a weekday presentation of CFISFM. After 9 is produced by Alan Wishart, Eric Allen, Kylie Lewis Holt, Trudy Clausen, and Rez Krebs. Executive producer is Reg Fair with technical assistance from Stephen Smith. Theme music is by The Ebbs. For a rebroadcast of today's program, check out the podcast link at cfisfm.ca. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email cfisfm at yahoo.ca. Owned and operated by the Prince George Community Radio Society, you're listening to CFISFM Prince George, a not-for-profit community radio station broadcasting with 500 watts of power at 93.1 FM.